name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. By God's grace and mercy, we've completed nearly four weeks of the fast, more than halfway there. Our anticipation grows as we approach our Lord's incarnation, his nativity in the flesh. And we've started chanting the Katavasia hymns of the nativity during Orthros and the Kondakian in the liturgy, which we just sang, that beautiful hymn. On this day, the Virgin comes to the cave to give birth to God the Word ineffably, who was before all ages. Dance for joy, O earth, on hearing the gladsome tidings with the angels and shepherds now glorify him, who is willing to be gazed on as a young child who before the ages is God. This beautiful paradox that he is the God before all ages and yet an infant. And this is why in the church what we call this rather than Christmas, and that's a fine term as well, we say the nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh. The nativity in the flesh. Because he had a pre-eternal nativity, he's the God who has existed before the ages, but now in the flesh. And in just 10 days, we enter the forefeast of the nativity when we sing this beautiful hymn, O Bethlehem, prepare, Eden is opened to all, and be ready, Ephrathah, for the tree of life has blossomed forth from the virgin in the cave. The tree of life has blossomed forth. Which tree of life? The tree in the garden. This is the same, the word of God. And it continues, Indeed, her womb is shown to be a spiritual paradise in which is found the God-planted tree. And if we eat from it, we shall live and not die, as did Adam of old. Christ is born so that he might raise up the formerly fallen image. This is the hymn that we'll be hearing in just ten days, when the forefeast begins. And what we see in this hymn is that Christ himself is the tree of life. And whereas that tree that Adam and Eve ate from led to death, this tree gives us life. And this is the very tree which we will be receiving and consuming here in the Divine Liturgy. My brothers and sisters, we're preparing, we're making ready. What are we preparing? Our very own bodies. We are to become the cave in which Christ dwelt. We are making ready. So this is a time of eager anticipation, like the oppressed Jewish people waiting for the Messiah who on Palm Sunday joyfully welcomed him into Jerusalem. Likewise, we who are enslaved to our passions look toward our liberator's arrival in the virgin's womb. The joy is palpable, and we hear it in the hymns. The church, our mother, the bride of Christ, speaks in other places about her another joy in this season, as well as in other seasons of the church. This great joy that the church also speaks about, we hear especially in the hymns of Queen Week, and that's the joy of fasting. You didn't think I was going to say that. We have so much joy right now and in this season, and yes, there can be the joy of fasting. I know for myself, or for many of us, we think of the joy and we say the joy of not fasting, right? That's what we're looking forward to, is the joy of not fasting. But our church, 
never speaks about the joy of not fasting, only speaks about the joy of fasting. And especially in Clean Week, there are these beautiful hymns about what comes about through fasting. You see, fasting for most of us is drudgery, for myself especially. It's drudgery. We have the rules that we follow of the church. We try to follow them and be a good soldier. But everything that we do is out of compulsion, out of this is what I have to do because this is what the church tells us to do. We might have a little voice in our head saying, somehow this is good, but it sure doesn't feel good at all. And so we fall into all kinds of different pitfalls, whether it's overscrupulousness about looking at every single thing and trying to figure out whether it's fasting or not, or we swing in the other direction, we go the laissez-faire way and say, oh, I don't want to be pharisaical. And so we just kind of swing around whatever we'd like to, sometimes fasting, sometimes not. We fall into judgment. We approach fasting as a spiritual diet. It's not a spiritual diet, my brothers and sisters. A diet is for the body. A fast is for the soul. So there are many ways which we fall into fasting as drudgery. But I want to talk to you about the joy that is in fasting. Because we must, we must at least strive to have that understanding, even if we don't feel it in the midst of the fasting. Because fasting ultimately is a longing for paradise. That's what the hymn was talking about. About paradise being opened up to us. And about Adam of old ate of the tree and died. And now we can eat and live. But why did Adam and Eve suffer? Why did Adam and Eve leave the garden? Why did Adam and Eve lose all of that? Or rather choose not to have all of that that was in paradise? Because they didn't want to fast. It was a fast that God gave them. He said, eat everything, everything, but just not of this tree right here. And so this is what we're faced with right now. It doesn't feel like it, I know, but eat everything, just not these things right here. Because in so doing, we are overcoming that first thing that Adam and Eve did. That first time of turning away from God, of saying, no, I prefer my way rather than God's way. We, my brothers and sisters, are now beginning to overcome that, to overturn that. And it's precisely through fasting. So fasting is a longing for paradise and for Eden. Think of it that way. Every morning that I wake up in the midst of a fast, I can pursue paradise. I can pursue Eden simply by not putting cream in my coffee. That's mine, I have to admit. Or by eating oatmeal instead of eggs. Or by any, all of these different ways. I'm yearning for paradise. Because as the... The gospel made very clear in this gospel today talked about the woman whom Satan had bound. And our Lord's response is actually even more poignant in the Greek because he says, which of you does not untie his ox or donkey from the manger? And this woman whom Satan has bound to be loosed from the bond on the Sabbath day. Well, that untying of the, don the donkey or the ox in that same verb means to be freed. Which of us does not free our ox or donkey? And this woman here 
could be freed on the Sabbath. It's the same word. So he's making it so clear. Why not this donkey we're going to free? What about freeing this woman from what? From being bound by Satan. And that's where we each relate to this. For her, it was just a mere 18 years. For me, it's my entire life. For many of you, you might feel that same way. Bound by Satan. Held down by him. It's that Satan, as the ruler of this world, has put us into a dungeon. But what he's done with that dungeon is something very crafty. He put a window in it so that we can see the beauty. And you know why that was crafty? Because many of us just want to sit by the window. Now, no, there's another place in that dungeon where we know if we dig, and we keep digging, and we keep digging, we'll go out to where all of that is that we see. But instead, we just sit by that window. We say, this is a nice view. I don't really want to go over there, because if I go over there to dig, then I won't be by the window. You see what he's done? We know, my brothers and sisters, that we're in a dungeon. We know that. And yet we approach all of this as though it's all fine. Everything is good. Everything is allowed and everything is okay. So remember that dungeon that we're in. So how do we find joy? We find joy because we remember that fasting is freedom from slavery. That's what fasting is. It frees us. It's this is, again, the, the trick of our enemy. We think of fasting as now my hands are tied. Oh, and now I'm not fasting anymore. Now I can do everything that I want. It's the exact opposite. Because all of my life, my hands are tied by whatever my belly wants. That's what I go after. Whatever my taste buds desire, that's what I go after. And now with fasting, I can say to my belly, to my taste buds, no. I'm not going to follow your whim. I'm not going to do whatever you desire. I am going to reject this false beauty that I see and the things I put in my mouth and instead pursue the true beauty, that paradise, that life in paradise. Because I tell you, as we become freed from the slavery through fasting, there is joy. I know it's hard to imagine that. I know it's, it is a very difficult thing. But as we actually enter into the fasting with our focus upon the goal, not just, I'm not fasting as a slave, like I have to do this because this is what the church tells me. But instead, I, I approach fasting by saying to myself, this is so that I can be free. This is so that I can be free. And what happens over time is that our passions diminish, that the fast becomes a little bit easier. Because what's happening then is we're slowly breaking the chains so that we can be truly free. This is why our Lord gave us fasting. And it's everywhere. Where in the Bible is there not fasting? Where in the lives of the saints is there not fasting? Where from the very beginning in Genesis is there not fasting? Is it because our God wants to abuse us and make our life miserable and cruel? Is that really the reason? then maybe we shouldn't read the Bible. Maybe we shouldn't follow the lives of the saints. Of course that's not the reason. But that's what me and my weak mind thinks, is this is all a bunch of work and it's miserable. We need to find the joy. 
the joy that we will be returning to paradise. Not paradise in the next life, but yes, paradise in this life. I've given this uh, little situation before. I'll do it once again. Is you know, all these monks are on Mount Athos, or nuns, wherever they may be, okay? And they're living this horribly ascetic life. I say horribly because I look at it and I say, how could, especially the ones that are like using pillows of rocks and sleeping without any covering or all of this, eating herbs. And I look at their life and I say, their life must be miserable, right? Well, either they're crazy or their life is far better than mine. Those are the only two choices. Either they're crazy, because who of us puts ourselves through things without reward? Who of us does that? Or their life is better than mine. It's a great paradox, because externally I look at their life and I say, that's too hard. Forget about it. But I don't see what's going on inside and how the grace of God is welling up inside of them and the joy that they are experiencing. Yes, joy is coming to them through fasting, directly through fasting. That's what we have to look to, because if we don't look to that, we'll just be slaves the rest of our life. We'll be kind of bitter slaves. I need to do this thing that I don't really want to do. So I say these words as encouragement. Keep your eyes on the goal. Our goal is not to look out a dungeon window, but to get out of the dungeon, to be completely freed of this. So if we keep our eyes on that goal, then bit by bit, God will open up the way, we'll see more light, and we'll enter into a true freedom. We'll become vessels of God's grace, and God's grace will work in us and grow until we have paradise inside of us. So like the epistle said, let us take up the armor, all of the armor of the church. All of the armor of the church is what we need, and most importantly, fasting. This great armor that the Lord has given us. So we have just a few more weeks of this fast. The church has such wisdom because now, starting after Tuesday, we take it up a notch. We take it a little bit more strictly in the fasting. But by doing this, we prepare ourselves for the great joy of the nativity, the day on which the tree of life was born of the virgin so that we can consume and receive eternal life through him. Amen. Amen.